Big I have worked for both of the large postal services that are not the U.S. Postal Service, the brown one and the purple one. And I've worked Christmases. I've worked at large facilities. I've been shot at by bullets falling out of packages. I've almost had mercury poisoning from broken thermometers, large atmospheric thermometers, bruises, cuts, back sprains. Luckily, no dogs. No dogs ever bit me or yelled at me. But I guess all I have to say is shipping and moving packages can be a very dangerous business. Curioso. A Curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters. A collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Joe, what's going on, man? Uh, not much. Not so, much. yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, which we are recording this way later than we normally do. Yeah, we're recording we it like three days before the episode goes <laughs> out. Know. So you're going to be furiously like editing this. But, yes. So we, today, which means by the time you listen to this, you'll definitely be able to watch it. Mm. Uh, we put out our movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, our 48-hour our film project entry for this year. Right, for 2016, and it is called The Fist. Oh, The Fist. And uh, we just wanted to kind of, you know, do a little ahead of time letting you know before we really get into the episode. Mm-hmm. The Fist is funny, uh, wonderful, delightful, <laughs> and... Uh, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It's an yes. adventure serial, very much like... Um, Buck Rogers, Planet Outlaws. The, the Green Hornet. Flash Gordon. Right. Uh, even uh, what, uh, even uh, Indiana Jones was like an adventure serial. Right, right. right. That was a full-length one. Yeah. But like, you know, adventure serials back in the day would be cut into little sections or whatever. And this mm-hmm. is basically a seven-minute section of what would be, you know, the old Superman yeah, yeah, you know, the adventure old serials. Radio serials yeah. and, and TV serials. That's the genre that we ended up with. Right. And we took it to the utmost. Absolutely. And The Fist is definitely a superhero. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he's right on in there. And you should definitely watch it. It's going to be on our YouTube page. Mm-hmm. The link will be in the show notes. Right. Right. So uh, <laughs> I, here's the second part of what I wanted to do. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. I have a Switchel update, Joe. Mm. Right. It's crazy. Okay. So, uh, I go over to my mom's Mm -hmm. and she says, oh, I picked you up something. It's in the fridge. Okay. So I go and I look and here, let me show you the the photo. Here it is right there. It's from Turkey Hill. Mm -hmm. Now, if you know Turkey Hill or what are some of the other ones? Rudders? Rudders, Rudders, yeah. Rudders, Rudders, they're from Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I think Turkey Hill is from Pennsylvania or somewhere in that area too. They make different types of iced tea. And in your area, you probably have somebody that does like iced tea or milk or whatever. Lemonade. Lemonade. Like 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 people that make that kind of thing. And they they distribute to a certain amount of states or certain area. And Turkey Hill is one of the better ones. Mm -hmm. I always like Turkey Hill. But what they have is something called Haymaker Cider. Okay. Sounds very much like Haymaker's Punch. It does. Right? So uh, we're going to have to try it out. I brought it along. Now, I did look on the ingredients in the back, and, and I mean, you know, Haymaker's Punch was another name 
for Switchel mm-hmm. when we had discussed it. That yeah. was a, you know, because the haymakers would be making it and they would need uh, electrolytes. Need, not, some, need a punch. Yeah, not electric lights, but <laughs> <Right>. ele- <laughs> Tony, mm-hmm. but uh, elect- ele- electric lights. <laughs> can't help it. Now. I can't help it. It just comes out. Uh, and, you know, and, it, and they had, had a little bit of salt, so mm-hmm. it replenished that. So it was basically a, you know, early times Gatorade. Right. Right? So here we go. I got it. We're going to try. Plastic cups. Clink. Plastic cups. Uh, Turkey Hill Haymaker Cider, which seems like it's very much like Haymaker's Punch. It's not bad. No, it's pretty good. Yeah, there's a, a weird weirdness to it, but it, well, I, it's like apple. So it's basically like apple cider. A little bit of maybe a little bit of ginger in there. Maybe that's what it is, maybe right? Some ginger, because mm-hmm. that was definitely a thing that you want to put in Switchel. Oh yeah. So it's basically like a a cider. It had had molasses in it mm-hmm. as well, uh, and you know some apple cider vinegar. It's very sweet. It is really sweet. It's very sweet. But I, it's you know I think they're doing it for today's palate. They're I, making it for today's palate. I understand, but all of those like old timey Switchel flavors are are seems like they're present. Right. Yeah, they are. But it's a little bit sweeter, kind of like a you know like a sweeter iced tea. Hmm. You know, like it's a sweet though. tea kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really good. So I would say uh, they are not paying us, but nope. uh, if you want to go and buy Turkey Hills uh, Haymakers. Keep on wanting to call it Haymaker's Punch. Right. Haymaker's Cider. Mm. Uh, it's like a Haymaker's Punch mixed with a cider. So it's like cider instead of water when mm. you put it together. Ah, it's good. Yeah, and I if like uh, Turkey Hill wants to pay us for saying that, then ah, it's Get good. Get a hold of us. <laughs> so on to uh, let's let's on to the delivering. Oh, I see how you posted that <laughs> let's, one. Let's deliver this to the people. Right. Uh, we are here today to discuss. The USPS, the United States Postal Service. And I think mail in general. Yeah, okay. You know? well, let's, I, mean, let's... I wouldn't say just the, po- the USPS. You've got mail. Right. I don't S- think we're going to actually discuss email, right? Sign, we're going to just pass by that. Signed, sealed, delivered. Because it's kind of kind of a little boring to me. It is. You know what it's I mean? It's very boring. Yeah. So, but we, we <laughs> are going to we're going to discuss snail mail instead. Yes. Which yeah. is less boring yeah. because there's a lot more history behind it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cuz everybody just sends out emails. Everybody's got 2000 emails in their inbox right now. It's not just me. <laughs> I actually go through it systematically to make sure I get rid of all of them. So. Yeah, I I'm I've been trying. Mm-hmm. But if my regular mailbox looked like my email box it would, it would be, be ridiculous absolutely stuffed yeah, exactly yeah so um i just want to say uh for all of you listening to this we are not going to be discussing mailbox baseball because that is just mean and rude and stop doing it okay stop doing it to my house it's not funny anymore <laughs> okay <laughs> i just did it the one time man <laughs> oh you're such a jerk <laughs> anyway all right so uh what do you want to get into well, let's go. Let's go to the Wayback Machine. Mail probably dates back to as far as writing. If someone needs to send someone information, it probably dates back to that. Right. Mail, the word M A I L, comes from the medieval English for male. Oh, male. M A L E. Oh, like having a penis. <laughs> no. No. Oh. It, well, no. kind of. That's it's. Hold it's on. a little foreshadowing right there, buddy. <laughs> Hold That's... on. It's, it means in medieval English, M-A-L-E meant a bag or a traveling sack. 
So, oh, a satchel. Yes. A exactly. sackle, if you will. A sackle. M A L L E in French. Male. Mm hmm. Is trunk or big box. Malay, M A with a little hypheny thing, is Irish for bag. So they're all very similar root words. Like uh, having your mailbag. Right, yeah. exactly. So okay. by the 17th century, early 1600s, the term mail became synonymous with letters, shipping, and sent correspondence. Uh, which is kind of funny because mail and mail and Malay and Malay, like, <laughs> they all mean bag, sort yeah, of? Yeah, so it's all just like the mailbag, the satchel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but then, you know... A man purse, if you will. By the 17th century, you know, they, would, they actually had people carrying mail in a bag. The over-the-shoulder bag, yeah. So they call it a mail bag. Yeah. So you're just calling it a bag bag. A bag bag. <laughs> it's kind of like Panera Bread. Pantera Bread? I always call it Panera Man. And my wife gets mad at me. Oh, nice. I call I, it Pantera bread. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Good soups. Mm-hmm. Good soups. Right. They're not paying us to say that. I wish they would. They got really good scones. I know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. one of the oldest examples of mail dates all the way back to Egypt in 255 BC, when the pharaohs would send their basically their decrees via couriers to various territories within their states and or kingdoms. Uh, and it can also be dated back to the Zhai or the Zhang dynasty uh, in China, mm-hmm. which precedes that a bit, about 206 BC to 20 AD around there. But those were like the the biggest of the old world systems that were using prominent postal service. But if you look throughout history, almost every single giant civilization, Rome, China, Italy, uh, all of Europe, pretty much everybody had their own local or, you know, uh, state-to-state sort of postal service. Like male person. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's probably like one guy that set it up and was like, hey, I'll just do this for a living, right? I mean... Maybe. Like you have the blacksmith and everything. I wonder if like the the, the male person has a, a last name. You know what I mean? You know, you have like blacksmith and silversmith and they all just wound up being smiths and you have, you know, your last name, Taylor, mm. were people who made clothes. I wonder right. if male people had like a last name and now it's lost to history because <laughs> okay. I didn't look it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, take, for example, uh, in Mongolia, uh, Genghis Khan and, well, through to Kublai Khan, they had something like 1,400 postal stations within their kingdom. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, and not to mention all the varying ways this postal stuff, you know, letters, uh, parcels, packages, uh, envelopes, postcards, anything you would normally ship today in the mail, uh, back then, all the different forms and ways they would ship it is insane like there's a there's a list of how they got one piece of mail from one place to another it's, well, it's crazy it's kind of i mean like at that time you got to think it's probably like uh you know rolled up parchments mm. you know well the first envelopes were made from cloth like parchment animal skins vegetable matter things like corn husks and, and stuff like that bark mm. The Babylonians would wrap messages 
in very, very thin sheets of clay and then bake the bake the little package, you know. So you'd have to break it in yeah. order to get it open? Yeah, so it's, it's like a... It's, it's kind of like, like an old ring seal. Yeah, yeah. You know, where you'd, you'd melt the wax and ring seal it. That's so awesome. Just imagine a little thin piece of clay. Yeah, you break the pot. Right. Or whatever. Exactly. Kind of like uh, in uh, like you were playing Legend of Zelda or whatever. Sure. Or you break the pot. Hey, listen. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. You get out a rupee. Somebody right. sent you a rupee. A ruby? A rupee. Ruby. I thought it was rupees. Yeah, that's a misspelling. What? Anyway, Look, it said I'm not going to go in my game. I'm rupees. not going to go into into Legend of Zelda. What if Zelda was a girl? What? Did <laughs> you stop? We're not doing the Legend of Zelda episode. They would bake those those little packages before they sent them off for protecting the the message, so they knew that it wasn't intercepted and read prior to its delivery. You know, because then they would get a letter back saying your the package was received intact. Right, because if they broke the clay seal, it's the same thing like a like envelopes today. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, sure you could send postcards, right? But if you have an envelope mm-hmm. and it's sealed up, you know that you know no one's ever opened it beside you. Right, right. In places like India, in their postal service, through like. 1300s all the way up until 1940 something they had a thriving postal service and one of the key things it was used for by many parties was espionage hmm so that's one of the reasons why they would do like the wax seals and the you know the special sticky tapes and and things like that so your message got there without being tampered with so it's it's just a neat idea like clay um secret inks and stuff like that. Just It's a cool idea that, that, you know, was employed to keep things secret. So all that to say, the first real postal service uh, can probably be credited to the ancient Persians when King Cyrus the Great, because they're always named that. Well, only if they're great, of course. Well, no. <laughs> it's just like the job title. <laughs> 550 BC, he declared, declared all provinces in his kingdom organized correspondence with a relay system called the Chapar Kane. I think I'm saying that right. The Chapar, I don't know. It sounds. uh, Chapar. Chapar. Chapar Kane. And basically, it was a system where you would have relays. So you'd have your, your. postal station, you know, in your local town or whatever. Right. And then you would have like hubs and then you would have either riders or cart people or something would carry it to a small satellite station and that would take it to that little town. It's a whole little relay system. And so they take not, it and they take it and they take it till it finally gets across to whoever right. is picking it up across the country. Right. So that was the first, I guess, technically working system. Mm-hmm. Everybody else kind of was like... Um, the local pub would be the place everybody would drop their letters off, and yeah. people in town would just go to the pub to pick them up. Oh, you know that's, what I mean? yeah. Uh, or churches. Well, churches, not so much. Churches, a lot of religious orders, abbeys, the Cistercians, even the Knights Templar, they all had secret mail services. Because they, uh, they were writing in lemon juice? I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but well, everybody knows that the you know the the 
Knights Templar, mm-hmm. one of their major symbols that they use is the the lemon, right? Yeah, no, I thought it was a cross. Is it a cross? Is uh, it a I lemon? might be getting it confused. Yeah, it it's two, a lemon. It's two lemons that are crossed, right? That might be it. Okay, yeah. maybe we're crossing the lemons. I don't, I don't know, but that was secretive information. You know, one of the reasons why they gained so much power uh, was because they were doing a lot of in talking behind, you know, the, the church's back. And church was like, oh, 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 you guys are getting too much power. And, but this isn't the Knights Templar. And then episode. Friday the 13th happened. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or something like that. I don't know. Close that to it. That might have been the shower scene. Close to it. Uh, but that still happens. You know, it, it, almost all churches have sort of internal male systems. And, uh, but that's to keep things on the DL, I guess. They got to like, keep it rolling. And, well, just and, like the government. Yeah, you know, well, some some politicians and government people know how to use mail, and some don't. Apparently, they're they're <laughs> the email they're scandal. E- email <laughs> right services <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> All right, Joe, I have a, a list of a lot of things in the United States Postal Service. Mm-hmm. United you, States, United States mm-hmm. of Postal Service mm-hmm. that you can and cannot mail. Uh, is this current? Because it uh, changes. This is current as of February 17th, 2016. Cool. Okay. So in the year of our Lord, 2016, <laughs> in which we are talking. In the year of our Lord, Batman. Uh, so uh, this is stuff that you cannot send. Alcoholic beverages. Eh. So anything over 0.5% uh, is non-mailable unless it's cooking wine, a cold remedy, or mouthwash. That's BS. It, no, it's not supposed to be sent via USPS. USPS. Right. Oh, I was going to say. Cause now you can send it. When I worked at the brown and the purple, right. you, people shipped wine and Right, beer now you're supposed to, I believe, de- declare it or yes, and stuff like that. To, it's like going through a border. Right. You have to declare. Yeah. Uh, but. And they still don't want you to do it because you're shipping liquids. Because they can break very easily and stuff like that. And right. a lot of home brewers, mm-hmm. especially, I listen to a lot of home brewing podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So guys will, you know, share get, and Yeah, and they share. Pray. They'll get, you know, and they will praise, you know, everybody's homebrew. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. and discuss it on the podcast and stuff like that. Uh, one of my favorites, I would just bring this up real quick. Dr. Homebrew, flipping love it. <laughs> every, every episode they do two homebrews and it's uh-huh. like BJCP judges, which is the... The, the guys who judge beer, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And they're they're, they're like homebrewing BJCP judges. So every year, every episode they do, you know, they get two beers, they judge it, you know, and they discuss it and they get a prize or whatever. So I've been really wanting to send something into them, but <laughs> I haven't. Right. Because uh, I'm not doing all grain yet. But anyway, uh, one of the problems is a lot of the time they discuss it and they're like, you know, they'll talk to some guy and they're like, well, this is the third beer that you sent to us, but the only one we've actually been able to drink. Right. Because it gets snapped, broken. I know, I know. But do you, you remember? Know, do you they're remember under the, pressure, too. Yeah. Because of the carbonation. Do you remember the Trappist episode? Yeah. Yeah. Remember when I ordered that very expensive single bottle of beer? Yes. From Belgium? Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it was shipped, it was like in its own little egg crate you know, bottle-shaped container, and then around that it had styrofoam, and then around that it had just a real nice little layer of the poppy bubble stuff. Yeah, the bubble bubble wrap. So it could not move in the packaging. Right, exactly. That's the best way to do it. Yeah, but I I got that in, you know, a week or two, 
no problems whatsoever. Yeah, I thought you told me that a monk actually brought it to your door. I wish. I was really impressed until you just told me the, real, the true story. <laughs> he just rings the door and the door opens and there's a light behind him. He's <laughs> with the halo and he just yeah. hands you the beer. <laughs> so uh, you're also not allowed to ship cigarettes. Unless you're in Alaska, Hawaii, for whatever reason. Because that's all they ship there. Yeah. So And spam. You are also not allowed to ship handguns. You can, however, ship rifles or shotguns. And They're lots, okay as long as they're unloaded. And lots and lots and lots of ammunition. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I've told you that before. Like, I worked at the Brown, and a box fell on a convi- conveyor belt. <laughs> and awful. people just chuck, just chuck and kick packages like no tomorrows and the box split open and it was just it, seriously it was a loose it was a bag like a ziploc bag full of 45 rounds uh 45 caliber rounds and the bag split open and they rolled off under the conveyor belt and got caught in the gears and there was at least three shots fired just firing off and i'm down in the pit walking down you know checking all the machines and stuff and it's just boom 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 and i'm like what and i you can smell the gunpowder and i hit the stop and yeah it was crazy oh my god so people will ship anything they can so you're also now not allowed to send switchblades unless you're sending it to a law enforcement official okay why is that uh it's because switchblades are illegal in uh, many many states so they're not allowed to be in the USPS. Hmm. Uh, you're not allowed to ship drugs, including prescription drugs. The exceptions are made for law enforcement officials or uh, parcels that are unmarked to prevent accidental loss during shipping. So, so you, you, can, a- you can have your drugs shipped to you by certain companies, but you yourself as a person cannot just ship drugs. drugs. Gotcha. So okay. You're also not allowed to ship food or perishables. Pretty much anything that goes bad outside of the fridge. So you could ship, say, a fruitcake because that <laughs> Which could will sit never on never go bad. Yeah, it'll never go bad, mm-hmm. ever. It's got a longer you, shelf life than Twinkies. Right. Also, uh, you're not allowed to ship locksmithing devices. Anything that can be used to manipulate a lock. Uh, that also includes master keys for cars. Anything having to do with animal fighting materials. Uh, this includes weapons or accessories or advertisements for animal fighting. Like so this, you're not allowed to ship uh, any kind of cockfighting. Like little, yeah, little brochure. talons. Yeah, yeah like, or any, <laughs> anything like that. Yeah. So you're not allowed to ship unsolicited contraceptives unless what? it's male. Yeah. Oh, wait. Unsolicited. So you can, right. you can mail solicited contraceptives. Sure. So you could buy a box of condoms and have it shipped to you. Okay. But you can't just ship them to somebody without them asking for it or paying for <laughs> it. Happy birthday. So, yeah. Here's a box of Trojans. <laughs> right. So, uh, but it, it can't, unless it's mailed to a medical professional or a manufacturer, it is illegal to send a condom or contraceptive abortion device to someone who did not request it. Well, I think that's everything and anything. I don't think anybody wants to get stuff they didn't want. Well, you, you can or send... Or didn't ask for. No, that is not true, man. Look, like, half of the reason why the Postal Service is still around is because of the... What's it called? The uh, junk mail, man. That is oh, unsolicited yeah. all the time. And, you know, you know, junk mail... Like, I get stuff all the time. Like, you know, my wife, she, she drives a Dodge Caliber. Mm. I get 
Dodge caliper stuff all the time. They're like, come buy a Dodge credit card. Get a Dodge credit card. I'm like, I don't want a freaking Dodge credit card. Why do I want a Dodge credit card? How do I dodge these credit cards? How do I dodge? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't, I really don't want that. But here are a few things that you can send that are a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. Live scorpions. Wow, really? As long as you follow the fairly detailed regulations, (laughs) there's actually a variety of creatures that you can ship via snail mail, including snails. Sweet. Bees. But it has to have the label of beware on it. Ah, (laughs) that's terrible. You can ship chickens and baby alligators. Really? Yeah. Wow. Is that how they ended up all in the sewers in New York? I, I think so. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Mail got flushed down the toilet. Apparently. No, it's just one of the postal, you know, offices is just happens to be underneath. And know. they just drop it down. Yeah, they're like, here you go. And they just fight the turtles or whatever, like yeah, leatherback yeah. or whatever his exactly. name is. Exactly. Uh, you can ship poison and combustibles as long as it's in small quantities, generally one ounce or less. Uh, things like cyanide, arsenic, diesel, <laughs> fertilizer, tear gas. Assuming that you, of course, have a legitimate purpose for doing so. Oh, okay, good. So you can't just... You can't send it unsolicited. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) as long as it's a Christmas or birthday present, you know, a Hanukkah present, something like that, it's perfectly fine to ship small quantities of poisons. Sweet! I can can send Nana that cyanide she's been wanting. (laughs) Arsenic and old lace. (laughs) Right. Uh, You can ship human ashes. as long as the, the guidelines are typically, you know, one you put them in one-gallon cans of paint. So in case the urn opens up. Oh, okay. It, it I, I won't was come like, out. Did, I, well, ashes, yeah, I was trying to figure out how ashes would mix with paint. But yeah, just well, no, 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 like an, an empty one-gallon can empty of paint. One. Okay. Yeah, you can pick those up at, like, Home Depot and stuff. I was trying to think right. of, like, how that would tint the paint, but okay. Yeah, you can ship coconuts. That's coconuts. Yeah. So uh, according to the USPS representative, Sue Brennan, you can uh, you can send a coconut. All one needs to do is toss a stamp on it and enter an address. You don't even you don't need to put it in anything. Oh, you can just, just ship a coconut, coconut by itself. A lot of people do that from like like they'll go to the Virgin Islands or the Bahamas or whatever. See, I thought and they'll you ship couldn't... a coconut back to their loved ones because it's like a you know, like a postcard kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, but I thought you couldn't send, like, you know, certain kinds of fruits and vegetables because they were, you know, uh, invasive species or, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but I don't think a coconut will actually grow something. Yeah, but it might have tarantulas on it. Well, you're allowed to send scorpions, so I guess it's okay. Right. Okay. Uh, speaking of uh, tarantulas, mm-hmm. uh, bananas you mm-hmm. can ship. A lot of the time, you, what you do is you ship them while they're green, and by the time they get to, tra- you know, past transit, mm-hmm. they are now nice and yellow and ripened, and you can eat them. Right, and have a whole family of tarantulas. Right. Well, you have, like, what are they? Are they tarantula? Tarantulas are in bananas sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess you can ship the tarantulas with them, with the bananas <laughs> right. inside of them. So, another strange thing that was legal for a very long amount of time, which is very strange, uh, you could ship your children. Oh, yeah, that's right. You could ship children. Yeah, back in the early 1900s. In fact, uh, there was a great episode on uh, the Useless Information podcast where I heard about this. And I think the guy's from Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken. And I think Caustic Soda also touched on it, too. Yeah. So, you can actually, you could mail children, but... uh, 
they, they changed it uh, January 1st, 1913, that Americans could send packages weighing up to 11 pounds through the Postal Service. It's and, not a very big child. Well, here's the thing, is that people were joking around uh-huh. at the fact that, you know, because it was 11 pounds, they, they were talking about, you know, you could send an infant. Oh. That's absolutely ridiculous. Because at that point, it was really, you could send small packages, but like 11 pounds seems really big. Mm-hmm. So someone made the joke, and uh, so, of course, a mailman, you know, took a picture of putting a small child in his package. You know, <laughs> what? Well, wait, I mean, uh, in, his, don't, no. in his sack. Okay. What? In his satchel. Okay. His mailbag. Jesus. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, uh, so they took a few pictures like that as a joke or whatever. But apparently, right. there are some children that actually got shipped, and there was a lot of news reports about it. Uh, so, was it? Would, would you just do the the print off of the the shipping label and just just on right the, on the forehead? On the forehead. Yeah, just make sure you don't put it on the soft spot. Right, and right. you're fine. Here you go, little Billy. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, there there were several cases of, of of children actually being shipped to their you know to their grandparents for the Aunts, summer. Uncles. Wow. Yeah, to like take care of them for the summer, or you know, I mean, it's 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 so bizarre. Hmm. So yeah, so apparently the postmaster general finally did put a stop to it and said that you can't send children in the mail. He actually had to make a statement, <laughs> right? Very much like stop yeah. putting your kids in the mail. Yeah. So you know, so he put a stop to it, so they were no longer allowed to send their children through the mail through the wow. U.S. Postal Service uh, without any kind of uh, supervision right. or anything at all. Yeah. I mean, hell, even on airplanes nowadays, you have to have an adult pre and post flight to pick up a child. Yeah, so you can, you can send them on an airplane all by their lonesome at a certain age, but they have to have someone there to pick them up and drive right. off. Exactly. So here's one one of the, one such story. So it was February nineteenth, nineteen fourteen. It's Mary Pierstoff. Uh, just short of her sixth birthday, she was mailed from her parents' home in Grangeville, Idaho, to her grandparents' house, seventy three miles away. For 53 cents worth of stamps, May's parents were taking advantage of the Parcel Postal Service, which began just the year before. Uh, In the early years of the service, customers and postal uh, officials were still getting used to how the service could actually work. And they didn't know if they could mail children, but apparently uh, Mary did get mailed. She wasn't the only child. I mean, there was lots of other children, but I mean, it, it, she was like one of the first that was actually reported in the news. Wow. Bet she was pissed off. <laughs> That's her last name, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So kind of coinciding with what you can and cannot ship, let's talk about some things, some methods that were used for shipping throughout the eons, I, I'll say. Everything from horses, dog sleds, camels, donkeys or mules, skis, balloons, rockets. Rockets? Pneumatic tubes. Yeah, rockets. I don't even understand how that would work. (laughs) Well, Cold War, they used rockets when they were sending people up. The space race, and there was mail in there. Okay. Uh, Also in China. Back in the oldie days, they would use the, you know... It would, you would just burn it up. rockets. No. No, no, you have a little ball in the end it would, or something. It would go up mail and come down confetti. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pneumatic tubes, where you put the... Right. I, I gotta, I gotta oh, stop you it, there for just one oh. second. 
one of my very favorite, I keep on, like, I, this is like today for plugs of mm-hmm. like all my favorite podcasts, but uh, 99% Invisible did an awesome episode about pneumatic tubes. I freaking love it. Go find it. It's great. I'm not even going to tell you which one it is because it's a huge it's about podcast n- now. Pneumatic tubes. Yeah, but it's all about pneumatic tubes and like 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 garbage disposable pneumatic tubes and whatever. But th- those are basically the same things that you, if you're writing a check or depositing money into your bank and you put it in, you thunk. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's a pneumatic tube, and pneumatic tubes are just freaking cool. <laughs> They're even talking about doing like a what is it? Um, a pneumatic tube train out in California. Yeah. They're trying yeah. to get like like studies and yeah, well, things it, done for that. There's a lot of so property can... stuff they yeah. deal with. But yeah, it's a really cool idea. Okay, tangent end. Submarines. Pigeons, of course. And Game of Thrones, they use what? Ravens? Ravens. Ravens. The white raven means winter is coming. Boats. Planes. Trains. Motor pickles. And any <laughs> what did you say? Motor pickles? <laughs> yeah, motorcycles, and any other sort of transportation known to man—carts, buggies, everything—anything that would help you get to point A to point B faster, it was probably used to send some sort of post. Right. So uh, let me just talk about modern day mm-hmm. now. So since you were talking about uh, boats being used, mm-hmm. there are still boats used today. Now, uh, there are, there's one in, uh, Detroit, uh, there's one here, I don't even know Well, you got all them damn lakes up there. Right. It's kind of getting away. Uh, there's one in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, where they call them boat jumpers, where Hmm. I guess there's a guy that stands on the front of the boat and And jumps jumps. off onto the, the pier. (laughs) Oh, gotcha. So that he can tie it up or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, uh, the fish guys out in, uh, out in, where where is it? San Francisco. They throw the fish, the fish mongers that throw the fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they do this whole thing where they put a show of it where he jumps so he can tie up the boat and stuff. And you can actually go out on like tours on the mail boat when it's not delivering mail. Hmm. So there's one in Detroit. I even saw one in like Arkansas or whatever. Where it's like, like a landlocked state. Well, I, I think they have like a like a lake there that people live on, oh. and their mail is actually delivered via the boat so instead, instead of, of going on around land. the lake. Going around the they lake, they go through they, the lake. Right, exactly. Gotcha. So so I mean, you know, still it is delivered. It's only like a handful of places in the U.S., but there is still mail delivered by boat today. Well, we still do have shipping vessels. Uh, that take regular postage and boxes and stuff like that across the sea. Right. Across the pond. Exactly. So that's still a thing that happens. So it's not the only place that still does it by boat. Okay, so this is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, Still today, there is one spot in the United States where mail is delivered by mule. (laughs) Now, this is not horse thief. From our movie. <laughs> so go see our movie. It's called The Fist. Mm-hmm. It's on YouTube. Yes. Show notes. Check it out. Uh, yes. Yeah, special delivery by Mule. So uh, it's it's delivered by a the, the postmaster there. And he has about 20 to 21 mules at any given time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is at the very top of the Grand Canyon. And he takes it down all the way down to this tiny little town of 100 people. What? So he starts at the the top of the Grand Canyon at a place called Peach Springs. Hmm. Uh, And then he takes a, well, even to get to there, it's a 70-mile drive to the canyon rim, which is where, you know, so he has to drive 70 miles just to to get there. 
So okay. where does the where does the mules go? The mules are at the very top of the of the canyon rim, and okay. that's where they're stabled. And then oh, you have to okay. trek down eight miles to the village of Supai, which only has about a hundred residents. Now they Shouldn't are one it be of, called Suplo? Because uh, it's at the bottom. It's at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. So they live next to this crystal clear little spring down at the very bottom of of the of the canyon of the canyon they you know like i said they only have 100 people and they they talk about how absolutely completely quiet it is oh i bet they talk about when they come up and they have to hear trains and noises and honking and all this other stuff and they're just like nope it's not gonna do it yeah absolutely so that's cool he he takes an entire mule train down now most of what they take down uh they're also one of the only postal places that actually have a, a postal office that actually has a full-time fridge there. Okay. They have a fridge, and most of the reason why is because what they get ordered is stuff like milk, eggs, f- any kind of frozen food, stuff like oh, that. Oh, so... Because they're at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Wow. Yeah. So there's no, like, little corner shop or... Yeah, they don't have anything down there. It's just, I mean, there's no no roads, no asphalt. They just live at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, 100 people in Supai. Wow. So, and they're all, you know, they're, you know, mostly Native Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they just live, they live down there, huh. you know, and they have, you know, they like to get all their stuff uh, shipped in. So nice. it's at uh, Havasu Creek is the name of the, the creek that they that they live at. Hmm. It, it's, the village of Supai is right on there. It's like a little o- oasis in, in the huge desert that's there. So, that's awesome. And they just absolutely talk about how much they love the r- remoteness of it. And they, they also consider themselves the guardians of the Grand Canyon, you know, because they're the only people that really actually live in the Grand Canyon. So they, you know. Oh, that is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just, I just can't imagine like living that remotely. Oh, I could. You know, but. I totally could. I, yeah. You are that kind of <laughs> yeah. person, right? Yeah. You're like, I'll podcast from the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Hell yeah, I don't I care. Would. Yeah. But you have to get all your eggs, your milk, you know, toilet uh, paper, all that stuff has to be shipped in. No, you, you don't. Know? You just get a couple of chickens and that's all you really need. Well, you can get that by mail apparently too. So. Exactly. You don't even have to worry about it. You can fish <laughs> out of the, out of the river, or the, the little lake, you know, catch all your food, grow your own stuff. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I wonder how, how much that would cost to move there. I don't know if they would let you move there, Joe. Damn it. I, I have a feeling <laughs> that if you're not a part of the tribe, you can't be 101 you're probably people living not there. that welcome. Damn. So, all right. So I got to say, we're going to have to take a little, a little break, just a little, a few minutes mm-hmm. here, uh, because we had uh, a phone call come in from our friend Heather, mm-hmm. who is a listener of the show. Who I happen to know mm-hmm. is a uh, postal worker. Yeah. So she had an awesome story for us. And one thing that I promised that we would say <laughs> before she came on and gave us uh, her story was Cisurpins. Oh, Cisurpins. Cisurpins. She loves it when we when <laughs> we say Cisurpins. So I told her we'd say it a few times just to get it out of our system. Okay. Because you know we're going to start saying it again. I know. We, we almost got away from it. Cisurpins. <laughs> Hi, Joe and Chris. This is Heather Williams, and here is my story. I've been a city letter carrier for almost 20 years. My first experience with a naked person on my mail route was about three years into my career. I was starting a new loop on my route. When I was reloading my mail bag, I looked up and saw a guy standing in his Florida ceiling window, buck-ass naked. 
Not only was he naked, he was masturbating furiously. This happened every day for about two weeks. On the last day, I had a certified letter requiring a signature for him. I knocked on his door and he answered, fuck ass naked. I wouldn't give him my ink pen because I knew where his hands had been. He signed it and I walked halfway down the stairs before I turned around and said, you really shouldn't be so proud of it. My three-year-old nephew has a bigger one. After that, his curtains were closed every day and he moved away about three months after. Thanks guys, bye. And we're back. All right, Joe. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, since we, we, we were talking about mules a little while back, mm-hmm. I also wanted to talk about ponies. Oh, ponies. Yeah, and not BronyCon and My Little Pony. <laughs> okay, yeah. Which I apparently found out that one of our co-workers, mm-hmm. uh, her husband. Oh. Uh, what, okay, so this is kind of how it went, right? Okay. So I, little tangent, break I apologize. Break it down, break it down. She was like, we are going to BronyCon this weekend. And I was like, why would you do that? I didn't realize that you are so into My Little Pony. Okay. And she said, I'm not. I take a pause. Blank expression. <laughs> and uh-huh. She was like, yes, uh, actually, my, my husband is really into it. And it's his first fandom. Oh, so he's really well, into it. First fandom? First fandom. That's weird. He's never really gotten into things. Okay. So, okay. Uh, sure. that, so that's cool. You know what? Yeah, yeah. To each their own. Where, mm-hmm. What was the episode where we talked about bronies? Didn't we discuss them? Was it in like we cosplay did. or something? I think so. Was it in like cosplay? Yeah. We were kind of discussing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we teased, but you know what? If you like My Little Pony, rock it on. Yeah, I don't whatever. care. You know what I mean? Yeah. Expect a little bit of teasing, which I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I get teasing too. I'm fat. <laughs> We're all into our own things. I like food. But anyway, no, what I really want to discuss was uh, the Pony Express. So basically, uh, this was shortly before the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shortly before that, people were moving out west. They needed some sort of packages. You know, they needed packages. They needed their letters. They needed their loved ones to know that they were safe and they weren't uh, weren't, uh, killed Mm -hmm. in, in, you know, the... The awful things that were happening out there, right. uh, fights and wars between Native Americans and uh, the Englishmen that were taking over. Yeah, I mean, murders. Manifest destiny yeah. stuff that was happening. Murders, robberies, you know, claim jumpers, cannibalism. I mean, it all happened during that time. Right. So American transportation pioneer, William H. Russell, he advertised for holsters and riders to work with the Overland Express route via Salt Lake City in March of 1860. Russell had failed repeatedly to get backing of the Senate, uh, Post Office, and Railroad Committee for an express route to carry, uh, you know, between St. Joseph, Missouri, Mm -hmm. and to go out to California. Sacramento, I think. Right. Yeah. So, uh, which is a nearly 2,000-mile central route to the west. Once he got it up and running, didn't it take him, like, average 10 days from Missouri to California? Right. Something it, like that? I think it was like 11 days and 23 hours or something like that to yeah. go out, and then like nine days to come back. Right. Which is kind of weird, yeah. you would think. But I it guess always takes you less time to get back. A little headwind, something like that? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Probably. Yeah. 
So on April 3rd of 1860, the Pony Express began its run through parts of Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, Nevada, and California. On an average, riders covered between 75 to 100 miles daily. And they changed horses at relay stations, uh, set it set about 10 to 15 miles apart so the horses could rest because they get tired. Mm -hmm. That's what you call needing a fresh horse. I need a fresh horse. Mm -hmm. uh, they swiftly transferred himself and his uh, mochachia, a saddle cover with four pockets and canvas uh, and uh, um, a canvas mail bag uh, to the new mount. So he would just switch over the entire, the entire, you know, saddle with the with the bags that were attached now was that a quad shot mochaccino yeah it was it was okay. it was a it had four pockets so it was a quad shot <laughs> okay so it's it's a mochachilla m-o-c-h-i-l-l-a sounds mochachilla sounds tasty yeah 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 with some caramel on top of that a caramel drizzle yeah so uh, the first mail by the Pony Express from St. Joseph to Sacramento took 10 days, cutting the overland stage time via the south route by more than half. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it, they could actually get mail out there in a wow. decent amount of time in, in, you know, 10 days or so. Yeah. On July 1st, 1861, the Pony Express began operating under a contract as the mail route. So they started working with the U.S. mail by that hmm. time as the actual mail route. And by that time, the Central Overland, uh, uh, California, and Pikes Peak Express Company uh, was deeply in debt. Mm -hmm. So even though they charged as much as $5 for half an ounce of a letter, uh, uh, at the time, the U.S. Postal, uh, postage was more than $0.10. Cents. The company did not make its operating expenses. Uh, and they officially ended it October 26, uh, 1861, as the Transcontinental Telegraph Line was completed, uh, which there was no reason for them to be there anymore because the letters could get out there via the, the telegraph. Yeah. I mean, this was like 18 months? Yeah, something like 18, pretty, 18 months was, was about, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's a pretty short run. Yeah, a year and a half, and that's it. Hmm. Which is funny because you hear so much about the Pony Express, you think it was something that happened a long time. But it was really just, you know, capturing the imagination, really. I think, uh, you know, it's just something very synonymous mm -hmm. with the Wild West, you know, right, thinking right. about those, you know, uh, I was going to say early days of the U.S., but it... No, well-established. Yeah, well-established. Yeah, yeah, we were, was, you know, whole, past the revolution. Yeah, that's the Western migration thing, so... But I, I think it was, it still stands to reason that it was a very... They cut the time in half. Right. Yeah, they were charging an arm and a leg or... You know what, what they would say, um, highway robbery. <laughs> but it was an innovative way to, to go about it. Right. You know, and the guy was entrepreneur. But, I mean, could you imagine, so 10, 15 miles away, mm -hmm. basically, so you're not just, you know, riding a horse. You're, you're at a full-on gallop with this horse for 10 or 15 miles. Oh, yeah. And then you go, you get a fresh horse, and then run again. And it just basically, like, sprints with these horses. Like, mm -hmm. like you have to imagine doing that over and over and over again, you know, from stop to stop to stop has got to be absolutely exhausting. Yeah, mind-numbing, teeth-rattling, like, <laughs> craziness. Ball-crushing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, for both of you and the horse. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. So I wanted to talk a little bit about stamps. So, uh, I, I just obviously collecting postage stamps is uh, a pastime of it a is, lot of people. It is. So, but I, I wanted to talk about the reason why we do it is because of the artwork on it. 
Typically, yeah. So uh, there are also weird misprintings, very much like the U.S. Mint has sometimes. Mm -hmm. So you have it's like, like toy some, collecting or anything yeah, else. Yeah, you get has some, weird anything weird. Yeah, you know. Uh, but basically, there is a a certain criteria and things that they that they put on postage stamps. And the idea is, it is called the Citizen Stamp Advisory Committee. There's 12 people on this committee, and they're all they're all appointed by the postage general hmm yeah so they all have to be actually appointed like and if you vetted by the postmaster exactly or whatever. and they're all basically either artists or you know people of of you know our history majors you know people who have have, have some clout okay. so okay. not just history majors but people who have really you know put forth a lot like respected people in their field okay got so yeah. having to do with history and art you know science science art, yeah stuff like that. so people that, who can actually kind of heads realize in, heads in their field exactly right. who can so they can realize what is actually a piece of americana to put on these things so mm -hmm. there's been several things that have great i mean you know i, I believe like kermit and miss piggy have been on stamps before yeah you know they are very iconic you know things that you know even though they're like a piece of pop culture but that's part of our history and our culture is popular culture right i mean you, you have know? things like norman rockwell ha has been on but you also have just portraits of uh, American monuments, presidents. Yeah. Uh, hell, there's even like each state has had its own unique stamp, mm -hmm. state flowers, things of that nature. I think one time I got a, a sheet of collectible Batman stamps. Right. I think I gave that to you for Christmas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, you can, of course, actually print stuff on your own postage stamps if you'd like mm -hmm. you can have them printed and they are official u.s postage that you can use so we could put uh some curioso logos on them yeah definitely so which would be awesome so uh, but yeah i just think it's 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 really neat it's a very kind of cool process but they actually have like an advisory committee to find out what will be on the next stamp hmm. so uh yeah it's it's actually kind of like a secretive process like yeah, I, i've yeah. heard a little bit about it like there's they don't want everyone, you know, you can you can actually put forth things that you think should be on stamps. You can mm -hmm. actually uh, mail them things that you think ideas that would, and ideas stuff. and stuff like that. And they, they either say, nope, no thank you. Or they're like, oh, maybe, maybe for future consideration. So, so is this kind of like the parental... Parental advisory board? Or or the comic book code board well, or any of those kinds of yeah, things where there's certain... Yeah, but I'm saying, less, you know, I mean... There's still rules and regulations and things they go by, a code of conduct, as right. it were, when they're picking out stuff. Right. Okay. I also wanted to mention one of the... Well, okay, so let me start with this. So this is something that we talked about in the Curses episode. Mm. We discussed the Curse of the Hope Diamond. Yes. Right. Uh, we, we discussed it in detail, so if you really want to hear that, uh, go back and listen to the Curses episode. It's very good. But one of the things about the Hope Diamond was when Harry Winston decided to give it to the Smithsonian, he decided that he was going to mail it via the U.S. mail. Because they were so trusted. Right. He gave it to an employee, and the employee paid $145.29 to mail the package. The postage accounted for only $2.44 of the original cost. The rest was for insurance, totaling $1 million. 
one million dollars. <laughs> Both of our pinkies in our yeah. face. Uh, and of course, the valuable gem was sa- uh, traveled safely uh, to the Smithsonian Museum, mm-hmm. which it is now held at. And you can go and see it. It's still there today. It's left a couple of times right, you know, yeah. for testing and things like that. Now, mm-hmm. what's really strange about this is because it's such an interesting story, is that not only... The Smithsonian has displayed the the Hope Diamond, and that is, I believe, in the Natural History Museum. I think so. Portion, yeah. but in the U.S. Postal Museum, which is also this with the Smithsonian, mm-hmm. they have the original packaging that the Hope Diamond was sent in oh, that's at the cool. Postal Museum. That's so cool. yeah, so you have it from both sides, both pieces. Huh. So the the U.S. Postal Museum, uh, which is one of the Smithsonian museums that I have not had a chance to, to make it to yet. Now is this down that little I call it Museum Row? In it's DC? actually the, the Postal Museum is like around the corner a little bit, okay. and I'm not sure up what street it is, but it is it is because like, you know what I'm talking about. There's a whole it's little on the area. Mall. Yeah, yeah. There's this whole little area, and there's like museum, 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 museum. They have a textile museum down yeah, there. The sp- <laughs> the, the National Spy Museum is yeah, there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, now the Postal Museum is, I believe it's like two or three blocks away, but it mm. is like right around the corner from there, uh, just a little walk. And it's got, I mean, you have all kinds of different, uh, what, what are they called, the mail drop boxes? Mm-hmm. They have the, the mail drop boxes, and they have different different patented ones mm-hmm. where they you know they have like little rollers in them and stuff oh, like that yeah, you yeah. know just like all different kinds of you know patented you know mailboxes they have some of the original delivery vehicles like one of the very first cars that it originally you know had delivered mail oh, wow, in the US cool. they have all i mean all kinds of different stuff you know having to do with the US mail and the and the postal service mm mm-hmm. So I think it's I think it's really cool. Uh, it's one of the ones that I want to make sure I hit. I mean, you know, when you're a kid and you go to them, you're like dinosaurs. You know what I mean? And when you get older, you're like spies. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You know. But it's like you know. So I feel like the postal museum is just it's in between. Just, yeah, it's like in between. It just got a little bit left out. Well, you, know you have what to I mean? understand the postal service now is considered a dinosaur, and it was used a lot by spies. So yeah. Yeah. Totally in between. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the things. Uh, next time I go, which I'll probably go at the end of this summer and mm-hmm. take Sammy, I'll make sure I stop at the Postal Museum. We'll check it out. And uh, I'll give it like a little review. So the U.S. Postal Service has a motto and has had one for a very long time. And it is, neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. Is that, and then you, you shine your ring at the lantern. I think so. Yeah. Right. Something like that. And you get you get powers, I but think you can't so. you can't actually use it against anything yellow. No, no. It's very very tiger tiger burning bright in the forest of the night kind of. Uh huh. You know motto. Gotcha. But yeah, I, I think eventually either you you get some sort of power or or you know find treasure or something. I'm not really sure. <laughs> the power to deliver the mail. <laughs> right. Uh, so one of the other things is, uh, you know, we, we talked about different, like, sprays. I don't have, this isn't going anywhere, but <laughs> but I just want to say, like, uh, I was talking to Heather a little bit. We were um, going back and forth messaging each other when she was going to decide what story to, to tell me. Mm-hmm. And she's basically like, oh, yeah, I've uh, I've been attacked by dogs. Mm-hmm. I've been, like, attacked. I mean, she's been attacked by everything. Like, right. I think she said wild turkeys what? attacked her. 
Yeah, and which is like, like a, a like thing. A, like two bottles of wild turkey? No, no. Like actual turkeys came and attacked like, her. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yeah, like wow. from the woods just came and attacked her. From the woods. Yeah, so I mean, you have to imagine, you know, between dogs and turkeys and all kinds of just crazy wild animals coming yeah, after yeah. you. You know what I mean? Like the, the postal service is hard. I mean, you know? they, they actually, don't they have like... Uh, like U.S. Postal Service brand, like dog mace. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> I didn't ask her that, but I should have because I heard that that actually happened. Yeah, they they actually have that where they they issue it to you and mm-hmm. you you have it and you know just in case. Right. You know what I mean? I think just like, in uh, case mace. Yeah, and as our uh, as our old friend uh, Scott used to say, mm. uh, Scott uh, told my wife that she needs to buy bear spray. Okay. Because she goes to school uh, to college and. Uh, she takes a lot of night classes, you know, so she has time. And when she gets out, it's very dark. And he said, I, I'm going to get you some bear spray so you're she okay. Did, she doesn't go to school in, like, northern Alaska. No, she goes to school in Baltimore. Oh. Are there bears there? No, there's, well, yeah, there is. But that's not what I'm talking <laughs> not about. Not kind. Uh, they, uh, but they, he said he wanted to buy her bear spray because he was mm. worried about her. I bought her some pepper spray, and he was like, that's not going to do anything. Right. He was like, you need to buy this bear spray because that'll make a bum die. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that's Scott for you, yeah, our Scott. buddy Scott. So, but uh, but anyway, the, the point is, is that the you know being a mail carrier is hard. Working in the post office is hard, and we salute you. But now we are going to get into uh, what it means to go postal. Like the game? Well. Did you ever play that game? I did not play the game. It is raunchy. Right. Gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a first-person shooter. Now, this came um, out around the same time that some of the original, what's it called, uh, Grand Theft Autos came out? Yes. Right? Yes. So it's around that same kind of like raunchiness of like Grand Theft Auto, that sort right, of thing. Right, right. It is first-person shooter. There are two of them, Postal 1 and Postal 2, and they have a P button. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So basically you're a, a, a game designer or something and you get fired. So you title of the game, go postal and decide to take revenge on the, the game company that fired you. That's about all it has to do with postal is, right. because it's a, a colloquialism now. Well, the, and here's the thing is that I didn't realize that people did not know what that meant or where it came from, but mm-hmm. apparently a lot of people do not. Right. Now, I grew up in the 80s, yeah. uh, you know, so I remember this actually happening. Now, I don't remember maybe the earliest one that happened around 86, but I remember mm-hmm. watching the news sometimes with my dad, and I remember some of these incidents happening. So there were several incidents that happened with postal workers, very much like, God, I really hate getting into this and like ending kind of with a bummer, but very much like how nowadays we think about things like school shootings happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, back in the 80s and early 90s, it was, you know, the the big thing to not necessarily report because you report everything, but the the, the rash of things that were happening were uh, postal workers. Well, there there is a thing with commercial news, network news. It's a confirmation bias, right? No, no. Is, it's, that, is that what it it's is? It's the whole, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. So right. for some reason, people are morbid and fascinated with things that are horrible. Right. And they can say, oh, woe is me. Isn't that terrible? But then they turn on the news and that's all they want to watch. Yeah. So very much akin to nowadays how we, we all have, you know, the, the idea of school shootings in mind mm-hmm. because it's been happening quite a bit. Back in the day, uh, starting in 1986, on August 20th, 
Patrick Sherrill walked into his workplace, which was a postal office, shot and killed 14 of his co-workers and injured six before shooting himself in the head. Uh, it happened again on October 10th, 1991. Uh, a, a postal worker, worker killed two employees uh, November 14th of the same year. And then uh, it happened again on twice in one day on May 6th, 1993. A, two separate shootings took place at postal at postal stops. Wow. So every single one of the, I mean, there it just goes on and on. There were several, you know, all the way up to 1993. There was one in like 2000. So I don't know whether it's just a, a you know. Is it a high stress time? I think it could be like a high stress environment. Well, it's, you know, August, May. I mean, October. It doesn't really seem like it should be a high stress time. I think that Sometimes uh, a job that you, if you're like a mail sorter, mm-hmm. doing it over and over and Rep- over, repetitive the repetitive of- emotion, the repetitiveness of the job can sometimes get to people. Right. And if right. they already have stress in their lives, you know, something just snaps in them mm-hmm. or they're, you know, someone that might happen to be mentally unstable to begin with. Right, right. So they, they, they take a slight, just like people... You know, like like I said, the rash now is, you know, you have these school shootings that have been happening. Well, I mean, you know? and there's a whole rise in violent driving and stuff like that. The, right. The angry driving or whatever. There's a huge... Road rage. That's yeah. it. Road rage. Thank you. You know, considering this, the you know, this rash from the early 1980s all the way up to the 2000s, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you kind of got the idea that people started, you know, putting it in the news and they started calling it going postal. Right. So of course the the game was made, you know, and and that is now just in our lexicon as mm-hmm. people. And a lot of people don't know where it came from. So maybe another 100 years from now they, you know, it, it could be the same thing like looking gift horse in the mouth or whatever it happens right. to be like, right. you know, without actually looking it up to find out what the entomology of it is, you mm-hmm. you're not necessarily going to know. But but Etym- that's that's where it came from just in case you don't. Etymology. Entomology is the study of bugs. Same thing. No. <laughs> I thought it was uh, the study of those little intimate cupcakes. No. Oh, it could be the study of the, the big tree guys in Lord of the Rings. The Ents. The Ents. Mm-hmm. Man, I just got to say this uh, Hayberry Punchberry Cider uh, is absolutely delicious. I keep on sipping on it the entire time. All right. Well, maybe you can ship me some. I will. I'll just slap a, a postage stamp right on it. Yeah. With Miss Piggy and send it right over to you. Frog! <laughs> All right. Well, we just want to give a special thanks to uh, to Heather uh, for calling in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know she was a little bit nervous. It was really uh, funny. It was absolutely funny. And, and disturbing at the same time. I, I, that's exactly what I said. I was <laughs> like, that is one of the most disturbing things uh, that has ever happened. Yeah. And she was like... Eh, I'm used to it. <laughs> it's just so casually. So thank you very much, Heather. We really appreciate it. I also want to say that I, I, I came to know Heather. She started listening to the show because she started listening through History Goes Bump. Oh, nice. Uh, they plugged us. We plugged them. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't had the chance to listen to History Goes Bump, and i got to be honest with you, I hate to tangent again, but I am so far behind on History Goes Bump. <laughs> uh, but I, I need to catch up with them a lot. And, yeah. you know, and yeah. so... Just want to say, History Goes Bump is awesome. Mm-hmm. Heather became friends with, with us through them and started listening to us for, through them. Uh, thank you very much, History Goes Bump. Thank you very much, Heather. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you You're very welcome. much, U.S. Postal Service. You are amazing, and I salute you. Thank you. Good night. Mailbag! <laughs> I'm telling you, it's bag bag. Thank you 
for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can email us feedback at thecurioso.com. You can Facebook us, facebook.com backslash thecuriosopodcast. Check out our merchandise on zazzle.com backslash curiosopodcast. You can also check out our videos, youtube.com backslash curiosopodcast. On the left-hand side of thecurioso.com, you can help support the show by clicking on our donate link. And if you're a real Curioso, we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. My point is, it is ripe. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's dry. It's, it's a dry ripe. <laughs> It's like a mummy. So we just turn off your sound. Well, I had it on because Levi was listening. I know. To watch I know. the thing. It was an accident. Mail is delivered. Deliver. Rome's. Uh, Rome. Rome's. <laughs> hey, asshole. <laughs> you want to start this? <laughs> you want to start this? You want to? Yeah.